Last weekend, I shocked some people when I said that if I ever have to get stuck with the task of overseeing the construction of stained glass windows or statues of the apostles, I would insist that at some prominent part of the artwork there be etched this one sentence, I am a redeemed schmuck. Because that's what the apostles were, redeemed schmucks. And that's what we are. Consider all the times we let the Lord down. Consider all the times we turn our back on him. Consider all the choices we make that were not consistent with our dignity as creatures made in the love and image of his father. In some cases, for decades and decades. And despite it all, he continues to love us. And he gives us the grace always to repent, and he so very eagerly accepts us back as if nothing happened. And yes, it really is just that simple. We heard how the apostles were sent out in pairs and had remarkable successes in their ministries, casting out demons, curing the sick, and even teaching, which Jesus did not tell them to do, but it so naturally flowed from their relationship with the Lord. It was not they, however, who did all those things. It was the Lord working through them, with them, and in them. Fragile, sinful men. Today we heard the apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all that they had done and taught. And as I reflect on the gospel, I usually start the Sunday before. So last Sunday I'm reading this text and it's just getting some thoughts in my head. And I find myself chuckling because I could get this image in my head of that natural male competitiveness compelling the apostles to vie with each other over who did the best job and who had cured more people than another guy cured and how many demons I cast out versus how many demons he cast out. I could just see them doing this. And I suspect Jesus laughed. The apostles gathered together because whether they knew it or not, they were no longer separate individuals, but through their relationship with Jesus, through their common experience of ministry that Jesus empowered them to do, they had become, however imperfectly, a band of brothers. They were becoming the church. Jesus, knowing his apostles better than they knew themselves, insisted on taking them away to a deserted place. Now why? They had been removed from Jesus for some time. They needed to be renewed in their relationship with Jesus, and they needed to rest. We tend to underestimate the need to be renewed in our relationship with Jesus, and we tend to overestimate our strength. With regard to our relationship with the Lord, we might understandably be tempted to think, well, I go to Mass almost every Sunday, isn't that enough? No, it's not. I think there is an analogy here to marriage and friendship. We rightly consider marriage and friendship the greatest blessings of life. We derive a lot of joy from these blessings. But if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit 
that the daily grind of life so consumes us that often the energy of the marriage, the energy of the friendship, gets subordinated to the daily grind. Over time, the marriage, the friendship, begins to be taken for granted. Those life-giving relationships suffer from our lack of attention. They can become almost mechanical. And they can even die. The same can be true with our relationship with Jesus. We say, well, I know he's there, or I believe in Jesus. Big whoop. The demons know Jesus is there, and the demons believe in Jesus, and it ain't doing them any good. But does Jesus have a role in our daily lives? When we have to make decisions, does our relationship with Jesus figure into our considerations? Just as a marriage and a friendship requires spending regular and quality time with the spouse, with the friend, to be sustained and grow so it can withstand the assaults of life, so too we must spend time with Jesus. How? Well, certainly the communal divine liturgy, the communal celebration of the Mass, is a great starting point. But that should compel us to carve out some personal time where we lay open our thoughts to him, express our worries, our frustrations, our concerns, share with him the struggles that we're having, whatever their nature. There is nothing Jesus does not already know about us. And there is no aspect of our lives that Jesus does not wish to be involved with, even, especially, the sinful aspects. We do not have to go to some faraway place. We do not need to see some spiritual guru sitting on a mountaintop for enlightenment. We merely have to carve out regular quality time to speak to the Lord heart to heart, and to sit in the silence and listen. And as the gospel shows, it doesn't have to be a lot of time or a fancy place. Jesus and his apostles tried to escape the crowd unsuccessfully. And sometimes, yes, the demands of life are unrelenting. Still, they got into the boat by themselves. Now, was the boat the ideal situation Jesus had in mind? No, it wasn't. Was it enough time? No, there's never enough time for anything worthwhile. But it would be enough. It was while they were in the boat for that short period of time, the apostles were renewed, spending time with Jesus and time with each other to strengthen them for what was yet to come. Could you imagine the conversations, the ongoing teaching that the apostles received from the Lord, the good-natured banter between them? Imagine the conversations you and I can have with the Lord if we carve out some time. Imagine what he wants to say to us if we're willing 
to listen. 